This is the Make Dementia Your Bitch podcast, where I explain how caregivers can lovingly respond to confusing or challenging behaviors and reconnect with family members living with dementia. The information in this podcast is for educational purposes and is no substitute for medical advice or care. everyone and welcome to episode 55, Primary Progressive Aphasias Caused by Frontotemporal Dementia. Now, today is a special day, so before I begin, my son is getting married in a couple of hours, so I'm recording the podcast because I didn't have my shit together and I didn't get it done earlier in the week, and I want to send out a special shout out to my sister Anne. She and my mother flew into Florida, where the wedding is happening, from Philadelphia. So the wedding is happening in Bradenton, Florida, which is north of Sarasota. And thank heavens for my sister Anne, who arrived with extra outfits and jewelry, because when we were kids, she was always assessing what I was wearing in my jewelry and would always say, no, that's wrong. And she would redress me and make me look presentable. So she saved my ass today because I showed her my jewelry and she just shook her head, whipped out her jewelry case. She had packed like eight different sets of jewelry. So I'm going to look totally like awesome because my sister Anne is dressing me. So if you are listening to this, please buy the book and buy my courses so I can make lots of money and I can hire her as a personal assistant to pr- protect me from myself. But all, in all seriousness though, the Kindle version is at 60% off until tomorrow. And I did that as a way to celebrate my son's wedding. Okay, I will stop screwing around and now I will talk about what you tuned into here. When most people think of frontotemporal dementia, they think of behavioral variant FTD. That is the dementia where people start having behavioral changes first, like they basically act like a jerk and you think, what the hell is wrong with them? And then you see the memory problems later in the disease. So to confuse you even more, FTD has two other subtypes, and both of these subtypes cause problems with speech. In today's podcast, I'm going to explain the two subtypes that are collectively called primary progressive aphasia or PPA. And you will, you will hear me say PPA throughout the podcast. And it's considered primary because the speech problems happen first in the disease. It's considered progressive because it keeps getting worse over time. It progresses. And aphasia is a medical word for having problems speaking. Although there are three types of aphasia that occur in dementia, two are from FTD and one is associated with Alzheimer's disease, and I'll talk about that one next week. So let's dive in. The first type of primary progressive aphasia that is seen with FTD is called non-fluent variant primary progressive aphasia, non-fluent variant PPA. People with non-fluent PPA have trouble producing single sounds. In the clinic, I have them repeat single sounds like pa, ma, 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 stuff like that. These single units are called phonemes, and people learn to sound out words as children when they are taught the principle of phonics. So these 
phonemes or phonemes are individual sounds. When you listen to a person with non-fluent variant PPA, you will notice that their speech becomes slow and halting. It takes a great deal of effort to make the sounds. You will also hear errors in pronunciation of words and the loss of grammar. These are called, the mispronunciation is called phonetic mistakes. People who have problems making speech and mispronouncing words are described as having apraxia of speech. Praxis is a medical term meaning the ability to do something. Apraxia, anytime you have an A in front of a medical word, it means without or not or no. Apraxia means having difficulty doing something. Apraxia of speech means having difficulty making word sounds. In the clinic, if I suspect non-fluent variant PPA, I ask the patient to repeat words Episcopal and Methodist quickly and over again. I'll say, uh, repeat Episcopal Methodist, like that, and they'll do Episcopal Methodist. As they start doing it over and over again, the words become jumbled. For example, Methodist may turn into Mesete or some other corrupted pronunciation. Now the interesting thing is, people living with non-fluent variant PPA are able to understand single words and simple sentences, but will not be able to understand complex sentences, especially sentences that use the passive voice or have a bunch of dependent clauses. And you're probably thinking, this is a dementia podcast, not English grammar podcast. That is true. What I mean by these two things is first, the passive voice. If you say, John, the dog needs to be fed, that is passive voice. If you say, John, feed the dog, that is active voice. Active voice involves fewer words to get the same idea across to someone, which is why active voice is easier understood or can be better comprehended. Here's an example of multiple dependent clauses. Before you walk the dog and before you feed her, make sure you start the dishwasher. Your family member is going to be completely lost. Shoot, I'd be completely lost. If you are lucky, they may start the dishwasher. On the other hand, if you keep the sentences simple like feed and walk the dog or just feed the dog, you may get the idea across. Especially earlier in the disease, you can do things like feed and walk the dog. As the disease worsens, you will get more results with simple one-command sentences like, please feed the dog. Another feature of non-fluent variant PPA is the development of something called surface dyslexia. There are words in the English language that are not pronounced the way they are spelled. There's a lot of words like that. Let's take the word colonel. And when I say colonel, I'm talking about the word that denotes a rank in the military. It does not have an R in it, even though we pronounce the word as if it does. If I show the word colonel written on a piece of paper to a person with non-fluent variant PPA, they will pronounce the word just like it looks, colonel. In the clinic, 
I will show a person with non-fluent variant PPA a list of words, including words like pint and mint. And pint shows up first, because that's the control word. A person with non-fluent variant PPA may pronounce pint correctly and then pronounce mint so that it rhymes with pint. They'll pronounce it might. The same word problem happens when people living with non-fluent variant PPA write out words where the spelling and pronunciation don't match up. If I ask them to write the word yacht, Y-A-C-H-T, they may write Y-A-T, because yacht and Y-A-T would be pronounced the same in their mind. Another aspect of non-fluent variant PPA is the preservation of social comportment. In behavioral variant FTD, social comportment, which is acting in a socially appropriate manner depending on the situation, I act one way at a wedding, another way maybe when I'm hanging out at the barn with my friends. Social comportment is one of the first things to go in behavioral variant FTD but it hangs around, it stays intact for a long time with non-fluent variant PPA. So even though it's the same umbrella disease, the frontal and temporal lobes are falling apart, the temporal lobes tend to be shrinking maybe faster than the frontal. Early in non-fluent variant PPA disease, other aspects of cognition remain intact until much later in the disease. Things like memory, visual spatial skills, you know, the ability to draw a clock, concentration, and even the naming of objects. They can also perform all of their day-to-day -day activities except those that require fluent speech, like talking on the phone. What is particularly challenging about non-fluent variant PPA is that the person living with the disease can initially understand more than they can express, which may cause people to treat the person living with dementia as if they are impaired. People will talk to them as if they are slow or like they're a two-year-old, and this treatment may result in the person living with dementia becoming reluctant to socialize, and that lack of social and engagement and activity may hasten their decline. As the non-fluent variant PPA gets worse, memory problems do emerge. Sometimes these people go on to develop other behavioral problems and something called motor neuron disease. People who develop motor neuron disease may show exaggerated reflexes and may demonstrate weakness and muscle shrinkage in the arms and legs. And there's a lot more to it. I think that'll be a future topic. Okay, I'm going to take a break for a commercial. And when I come back, I'm going to talk about the second type of PPA. Now I'd like to talk about the second type of primary progressive aphasia in FTD, and that is called semantic variant PPA. In semantic variant PPA, the speech problems are a little different than the non-fluent variant PPA. That is, people with semantic variant PPA are able to repeat words and sounds without difficulty. 
However, they are unable to comprehend individual words and have trouble naming objects. In the beginning of the illness, they will understand complete sentences even though they are losing their ability to comprehend individual words. And that's like really wild and it freaks out a lot of families because they're thinking, how do they understand the whole sentence but can't tell me the word for something? So if I say to someone with semantic variant PPA, make sure you feed the dog, they will go and feed the dog early in the disease. However, if I point to the dog and ask what kind of animal it is, they may be unable to come up with the word dog. They also do retain their ability to use proper grammar, and that remains intact in semantic variant PPA. In the beginning of semantic variant PPA, people struggle to come up with the right words. So that's usually what brings them to the office. Now, don't freak. All of us blank on a word at times, especially words that are low frequency words that we do not commonly use. In my case, I always blank on the word that describes seeing patterns in random data, which is pareidolia. I, every time I try to use that word, I have to go look it up. In semantic variant PPA, people struggle to come up with commonly used words, and this struggle worsens as the disease progresses. Like non-fluent variant PPA, people living with semantic variant PPA initially understand way more than they can communicate to others. As the disease gets worse, comprehension, though, becomes affected also, actually in both PPAs. The progression of the disease, regardless of type, causes problems with comprehension. Memory problems and doing problems also show up as the PPAs progress, both semantic variant and non-fluent. When people with semantic variant PPA try to communicate, in the early course of the disease, their speech may be at a normal rate with pauses as they try to recall the object words, the nouns. As the disease gets worse, you will hear the object errors where they pull out the wrong noun. They may say fork when they mean cup. Some family members get to the point where they can interpret the meaning of the sentence from the other words. For example, if a person with semantic variant PPA asks me for a fork of coffee, I will hand them a cup of coffee. Or I may say, oh, you'd like a cup of coffee? And they'd say, yes. The disease in uh, semantic variant PPA usually starts on one side of the brain and then spreads to the opposite side. In people who have more temporal lobe involvement on the right side, they lose the ability to recognize famous people very early in the disease. In fact, I have a deck of laminated cards that my colleague made up in the clinic, and one of these cards is a picture of Barack Obama and you show someone that famous person and they may not recognize Barack Obama. When the disease affects both sides of the brain, other new problems appear. Rigid behaviors, like always wanting to have the same thing for lunch every day when in the past they liked variety. Loss of empathy, interrupting others, very limited speech. They start to become very parsimonious with their speech and their handwriting may become larger than usual, and that's called hypergraphia. Eventually, the memory does become affected. 
Both types of PPAs can be diagnosed with a combination of history, clinical examination, neuropsychological testing, and MRI imaging. Families may struggle recognizing that memory problems are showing up, especially with non-fluent PPA, because people may speak less and less. With, say, Alzheimer's, people start repeating themselves, asking the same questions. You may not get that as much with the primary progressive aphasias, because as both aphasias progress, people speak less and less. And signs that the dementia is worsening include problems using common household objects and appliances, new behaviors, difficulty selecting appropriate attire, assuming this is a new problem, like me, this, is, this has always been a problem, and problems assembling a simple meal. For people early in the disease, you may want to have them carry cards that say something like, I have a neurological disease that makes it difficult for me to talk. I do understand what you were saying. Even if the person is more than capable of, say, driving, there may be issues if they are stopped by law enforcement or if an emergency occurs and they need to call you and they can't tell you what's going on. It is really important to maintain social activities across all the dementias, but especially in the PPAs. And don't wait for others to contact you because when people start finding out that your family member has some type of dementia, let me know how I can help and then they all seem to disappear. I don't think they mean to disappear, maybe some do, but I think they just don't know what to do and they feel useless and they're, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I screw something up? So you may want to take the initiative and call your family member's favorite relatives and friends and make a concrete suggestion. Hey, this Wednesday, how about you take mom out to her favorite local restaurant? Or how about you and mom go for a walk because she loves to walk? You may also want to give the visitors a short explanation of your family member's specific problem and let the visitors know that your family member understands more than he can express, especially in the mild to early moderate stages. And then as things get worse, you can explain to them that they're having trouble comprehending. And that's actually where supporting your speech with gestures and pantomime can help transcend the problems with understanding both written and spoken words. For non-fluent variant PPA, Give them the time and space to say what they are trying to say. Some people are okay if you finish the sentence for them. They might be relieved. Others get pissed. You need to feel out your family member and see what works. For semantic variant PPA, you may find yourself getting very good at decoding the sentences. For both PPAs, it is helpful to acknowledge that the disease is difficult and frustrating for your family member. When you are having trouble understanding what your loved one is saying, you can respond with something along the lines of, I know you want to tell me something important. I want to understand you. I'm just not with the program right now, or I'm just not getting it today. It's better to put it on you than to say things like, you aren't making sense. That may be true, but it is a surefire way to get the person with PPA very upset.
Also, if you might hear, in addition to me talking, some background stuff, my mom and my sister are getting ready for the wedding, and I'm in the kitchen table, and they're in another part of the house, so I'm trying to do this, and um, they're just, I think they forgot that I'm recording the podcast, and they're in there chatting away. Sorry about that, but just like being a family caregiver, you use what you have and you do what you do, same way with this. I know this was a dense and difficult topic. Over the next couple of weeks, I'll be diving into other aphasias and other not-so-common dementia syndromes. Even if something is statistically uncommon or is considered rare, it is neither uncommon or rare when you are dealing with the behavioral syndrome. Thank you so much for listening. And just to let you, to remind you again, the Kindle sale ends tomorrow. And if you don't have a Kindle, don't worry about it. There is an app that can convert smartphones, tablets, and computers into Kindle devices to read the Kindle books. I'm also putting together my updated Confident and Competent Dementia Caregiving course, and I'm going to be offering it at a special reduced rate. So stay, stay tuned or sign up for my newsletter to hear about it. Okay, everybody, have a great week, and go forth and make dementia your bitch. I hope you found this podcast helpful. Please rate and review on your favorite podcast platform so other dementia caregivers can find this podcast. If you are a caregiver for someone with dementia and need help understanding and dealing with these behaviors, please contact me. You can find me on Facebook, Make Dementia Your B, or email me, info at makedementiayourbitch.com.